When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Welcome to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am LJ LaFura, and we are a Belly Up Sports podcast. We are what they aren't. Brandon is not with me today. This is our first one-man show of the year, but we are excited for it. We've also got a very aggressive, at least by the modern standards for this show, now that we've dropped down to a half hour, very aggressive schedule for me to get through again i'll give you everything i got on this stuff and we will see where it goes from there but we are going to start with our first story here and that is eloy jimenez eloy jimenez was carted off the field during today's game with an apparent hamstring injury they're calling it right hamstring soreness he was of course trying to beat out a grounder during a, a second at inning at bat and just had a bad run on his way to first base, ended up having to, of course, yeah, get it, getting carted off. This isn't what you wanted to see at all. If you're Chicago, who has a very competitive division right now, especially for the lack of clean games that Chicago likes to play. They really need all the help talent wise that they can get to win in this division and losing him again is not a good start to that. He started off with a very solid, very, formidable 2019 rookie season ends up slashing 267 315 513 follows that up with the silver slugger 2020 year and the of course covid shortened season only plays 55 games 
but then he follows that up with another 55 game season, his worst statistically of his career after battling injury. He ends up with a batting average of 249 during that stretch. On um, base percentage didn't go much higher than that and gets 10 home runs though during those 55 games. Now, 10 games in for him in terms of playing time and he very well could be going to another elongated stint on the IL. I certainly can't speculate too much on injuries. I wouldn't want to speculate too much on how long an injury would be seeing. I know so little about the situation, but hamstrings are a very fickle thing. Most sports, you can come back. It's not like the worst thing in the world, but it seems like for soccer, because you're constantly running and baseball, because it's such short bursts, it takes a lot of guys a very, very long time to get back from it. I mean, it's just, um, who was it? I believe it was Joannis Cespedes. That's right, for the Mets that had quite a uh, questionable comeback back in, I believe it was 2017 from a hamstring injury. I could be completely wrong on that one, but it's certainly just the, f- the quick burst nature of baseball makes it very challenging to keep up with this demanding level of play and to be able to play every day. And that's what you really need from a guy like Eloy Jimenez, who's supposed to develop into one of your premier players on a premier team going forward in Chicago. So that's a real, real problem for them. We're going to swing it over from the AL Central to the AL East. As John Means, we learn a little more about what's been going on with him. And he's going to end up having to have Tommy John surgery after um, now this IL stint that he has been on is going to turn into obviously a lot, much longer one gets placed on the 60 day injured list um, just this week. He's going to miss the rest of this season and a good chunk of last of next season going forward. As for John means, I mean, this is a guy threw a no, no hitter came close as close as anybody did last year to throwing a perfect game ended up with a 362 ERA. That's his second 362 or 36 ERA of his career, very short career, mind you, at now 29 years old. He follows that up with over two starts. He's able to go eight innings and a 338 ERA. That's all those numbers are not too shabby, and they're really solid for when you consider the rest of the talent around him in Baltimore that he's able to do that. That it was able to even go six and nine last year with that team is very tough, but that was an excellent season from him in those regards. So, yeah, I just, I'm always going to feel for a guy who ends up in a situation where, you know, you're getting into the prime of your career and then the injuries just completely derail you. I'm also going to feel for the team because this was their one success story. I mean, I give this team rightful crap constantly about how they, their pitching philosophy hasn't changed since the seventies while the rest of the league has grown up around them. And it's just an absolute um, it's a joke to watch this group and say that they're actually like trying to put together competitive pitching because time and time again, they fail miserably time and time again, they either let their guys walk or they trade their guys and they end up getting significantly better elsewhere. I mean, prime example, Kevin Gosman after last season's uh, triumph starting, the, starting in Baltimore did not work out for him. 
But past that, who on this team do you really trust to be able to put up a even a 3-5, 3-7 ERA season going forward? I don't, I don't really buy into Jordan Lyles. I'm sorry. Uh, 15 innings, 3.52 ERA to start the season. Uh, Bruce Zimmerman, maybe. I mean, you're talking about a guy who's just coming up, a good lefty, um, getting that southpaw in there, 15 innings, 1.20 ERA with 16 strikeouts. He has a chance to do some really solid stuff, but I just see this going really far downhill without John Means, who's been the one guy who's really fit into the mold that this team is looking for. And hopefully it doesn't burn them too, too much going forward. I also now would like to uh, turn our attention over to this Toronto-Houston series. I know Brandon was talking about that one being a very fun one, and it really appears to be so after this first game. Justin Verlander was on the mound last night. The last time that he faced the Blue Jays, he ended up throwing his latest no-hitter among, I believe, three I might be pulling that number out of nowhere, but either way, he certainly you're expecting big things out of this guy. Seeing this lineup didn't change all that much from one year to the next. He clearly knows what he's doing with these guys. And once again, he comes up with absolute brilliance, six innings, three earned five strikeouts. Older Justin Verlander has always been kind of home run prone. I can't remember how many he had in his last healthy season, but that was a big that was a big sticking point, even in the Cy Young year in 2019, where he had a 1.5 home runs per nine. So he's giving up one and a half home runs every nine innings. Meanwhile, he had a major league leading hits per nine and yet was getting hit that hard. So when he's getting hit these days, it's going out. You should be expecting that type, these types of games from him. But either way, again, I was expecting him to have a good season, but I wasn't expecting him to come out on fire, which he has. This being his down start really shows just how good he's been in these first three. The Astros do end up losing this game. They drop it as uh, Naris ends up blowing it in the eighth inning, or excuse me, the ninth inning. And then coming back around the other end, Jordan Romano, who we talked about yesterday, picks up his eighth save allowing two hits and striking out three. So he certainly gave them plenty of a scare, very similar to the Red Sox on last night as well, as they load the bases before being able to get the outs they needed to not blow their, their game against Tampa. On that one, I can speak to at least dumbest decision I've ever seen to even be put in that situation because there's no reason Garrett Whitlock should really be starting this game today. I don't, I am not one of the, people in the camp that says Garrett Whitlock needs to be a starter. He's so good. He's going to be the best starter on this team. No, this guy has the makeup, mental makeup and the physical ability to be this team's next closer and their next closer. When I say that, I mean like seven, eight, nine year closer, like that type of generational. I'm not going to go as far as say that maybe like a, yeah, Kenley Jansen type where you're always going to be really solid maybe not Hall of Fame caliber, but the type of guy that you can slot into that team for a long time, that's what I see with him. I don't think there's a need to keep testing these long inning situations or testing him in a starting role. I'd rather him be a long closer, as I think I talked about on this show a while back, where 
you give them three inning saves or you give them the last two innings instead of one inning and only use them every couple days, I'd be fine with that. But I'd really rather see him go down to single inning work. Meanwhile, they decide, okay, we're just going to throw him in the starting lineup and then we're not going to have enough quality, trustable arms in the late game to get through to this. I mean, Jake Diekman looked terrible and he, it shouldn't be that surprising. He has shown time and time again, as filthy as his stuff can be, control isn't always there. Control can elude him. So, you know, you give Hansel the eighth and then you bring Diekman in for the ninth and then he just completely implodes and you have to end up using up Barnes as well just to be able to get out of this with a win. It could have been easily avoided and that's what bothers me. But back to Jordan Romano, I think it's just, just the time bomb is ticking for this guy. I feel like he's always going to be good, but he's not going to be able to keep up this pace. He's not going to be able to keep up the pace that this team is asking him to. If you're asking him to save eight out of your nine games, if you're asking him to save eight of your first nine wins, eight of your four first 14 games, he has pitched in eight of the 14 and it's all been high, high leverage work. They haven't gotten him in there just to keep him fresh any of these days. They've all been impactful games. I think this guy is probably a stud, but it's going to catch up to him at some point, or the opportunities aren't going to be coming for this team because you can't, you can't let yourself be in this many tight performances time and time again. The full offense really needs to figure it out and get into some form of flow before it gets too late. Let's go ahead and move over. I believe we're running about halfway right now. We're going to do basically the back half on Miguel Cabrera, but I did want to touch on this Dodgers-Padres game from last night because the Dodgers just, again, keep finding a way to win. They go down early against Nick Martinez, who, yeah, he doesn't give up the early ones. It's uh, Luis Urias gives the um, – Julio Urias, geez, excuse me um, – gives up that early run in the second inning. And then Nick Martinez doesn't get uh, tagged. He gets tagged for two in the fifth. But before that was looking very strong. His final line ended up four and two thirds, two earned, five walks. But yeah, I mean, they end up, the Dodgers end up pulling away in this game more than just a one run game. It ends up a six to one loss. And I'm not even going to touch the offensive performance from San Diego because across the board, they've been really solid to start this year. Where I want to start is the bullpen because, you know, you, Nick Martinez, he's not your best starter. You're not really expecting. Honestly, I think 4-3-0 is probably a reasonable place for his ERA to be expected to be the rest of the season, maybe even a touch higher than that. And so I'm not going to complain with the performance you got out of him, but you go from Chris Matt to, um, I believe this is Tim Hill, correct? Yes, Tim Hill. And then you go um, to Danielson Lamette who gives you an inning scoreless. And then you go to Craig Stammen, who ends up with one. So that's four earned out of four pitchers that you've brought out out of your bullpen. In a series that should mean as much as the Dodgers, in the must-win series, especially at home, if you're going to hope to make the playoffs this year because your division is just as good as last year, you need to be able to beat the Dodgers and the Padres, in, especially the winnable ones, the home games, if you're going to have any chance of making the playoffs this year. And yet they don't have the pieces. This is showing me 
to get it done. I've complained time and time again that, you know, even Mark Melanson, who they let go this year, he wasn't a closer. You don't, you don't have a contact closer and hope to be successful. And now you've got a situation where, yes, Taylor Rogers, five saves, none earned. Luis Garcia is also having a really good start to the year. But I look through the rest of this group, and I just don't see the guys that are really going to be able to make things happen, with the exception of Denilson Lamette, who, frankly, I wouldn't be surprised if it weren't for Taylor Rogers, would be their closer. So, like, they need at least one, maybe two more arms to even be able to compete in this division, let alone compete for the playoffs, and that's not a good position for them to be in. But, of course, the main point of the day, the big talking point for us to go over here is, of course, Miguel Cabrera. He ends up hitting a, I believe it was an opposite field single. It was definitely a single, definitely a hit, of course, to get his 3,000th career hit. He joins the very exclusive 3,500 club. I believe that makes him the seventh player to ever make it into that group. Only seven players in Major League history have had 3,000 hits and 500 home runs. That's Those are just, again, disgusting numbers. It shows such a balance because there have been plenty of great power hitters in the league. There's plenty of guys with over 450, 500 home runs, but none of them are going to consistently bat above 300. None of these guys are going to be able to get those 200, not even 200, 180 hit seasons. I mean, I'm looking through Miguel Cabrera's stats right now, and honestly, it's kind of comical, a little ridiculous, the way he's been able to do it. Uh, starting in 2005, 198, 195, then all of a sudden he drops in to his prime. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to read these all out to you. This man just got 3,000 hits with only one 200-hit season, and that's usually the marker stone of a really like high-level hitting season and so you know with that you're talking highs of 340 uh 348 in terms of batting average but he's he's hit 290 in there as well and still been able to go really well the majority of the years above 300 of course but it wasn't necessary it's just consistency consistently being able to get 180 plus hits in a season is absolutely insane and he deserves all of the credit for what he's doing right now but my question that really this got me posing is who is going to be next for any of these things? Because it's fair in my eyes to say that this is probably the only milestone hitting milestone we're going to see for the next decade. Like you talk about 3000 hits, none of the older guys right now, Robinson Cano, Joey Votto, they're not close enough. They're not going to get it in their career. What you have to do is you end up having to drop down to guys like Manny Machado at 29 years old and Mike Trout, and they're not locks on these things, particularly Trout. Honestly, I would, I would side more with Manny Machado making it to 3000 hits than I would Mike Trout at this point, just because injuries have become such a problem for this man. And he's walking so much now that he's not going to be able to get those counting numbers at nearly the same clip that other guys in the league will. But Even with Manny Machado, you know, you're talking about a guy, I don't have it pulled up here, but he's not, he's not far off, but like, he's not running away with it either. Like, 
he's not going to be a lock to get to 3000 hits based on where he is about basically halfway through his career. He's about halfway to that goal. So he needs to stay consistent. He needs to have a couple more great seasons. And then he has to back that up by being able to stay healthy and stay good in his late thirties to get there. And that's a lot to ask, especially nowadays for the guys that we're seeing right now, you look even over to 500 home runs, another major milestone, of course, in terms of active guys, you've only got Albert Pujols and Miguel Cabrera above that. And yeah, I mean, and then past that, you're looking at Nelson Cruz. You're looking at Stanton. I don't, or certainly don't see Stanton at 32 years old being able to get 150 more home runs. I mean, he's had an injury history galore. So Nelson Cruz maybe is our best shot in seeing something in the next decade. I don't look at the rest of the group past Machado. There's no one else that I really like getting there. Maybe Harper can get there. He's also had his share of injury history. Trout, again, you're talking about a 30-year-old at 312 home runs. I'm not sure that's going to be enough to do it, who, but who knows at this point. And really what, why we got here comes from two things. The body can't physically take the athleticism at this point. So that's why you're seeing these guys have big early career numbers and then they're going to end up flaming out because they're just going to get too hurt. They're going to again walk too much because guys are much more afraid to pitch to guys. It seems nowadays than they were in prior eras. And then the other thing too, is there are next to no one. It's next to no one that plays a full season. Now everyone's kind of hovering around that 140, 150 game mark. And that makes it takes out a massive chunk of your hits. You're talking about that could reasonably take out 15, 20 hits per season. And that adds up. So it's just going to become harder and harder to get these milestones. And at some point we very well might end up needing to reconsider where we define the greatness. Where do we, where does this marker, this upper echelon that we would usually call 3000 hits that we'd usually call 500 home runs where is that now? What different stat does that look like? And that, that conversation is going to have to come soon. Maybe it'll come tomorrow, but that'll wrap things up for this episode. Make sure you follow us on all of our social Instagram, Twitter, TikTok at MLB daily pod, and we will see you manana. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 